Phantom House. It's the place for podcasts. This is Name and Numbers. I'm your host, Ryan. I'm here uh, with Brandon. Give a shout out real quick to the people. What's up, everybody? Soccer season is in full swing. It's August. Uh, the English Premier League, British Premier League came back last week and, you know, some interesting results. Uh, top league in the world by revenue standards. Yeah, not even close. Not even close. So that's all cool and everything. But this weekend, La Liga in Spain and Serie A in Italy are back. And these were once the standard bearers. I guess Spain, not so much, but... Um, England kind of came out of nowhere um, in the past, you know, two, three decades, right? Yeah, I mean, all through the 90s, I think they were kind of seen as second rate behind Serie A. And that's why it was a big deal when guys like Alexi Lalas went over to Italy and played there as opposed to the Premier League. And, um, you know, you look at AC Milan, Juve, Juve is still relatively competitive. Um, yeah, they were in the but, Champions League final two years ago, right? Right. I mean, you know. We, we should lay out that uh, in this podcast, we're talking about revenue. So that feeds into performance, obviously, and it has major implications. And we should link, um, you know, how much money these teams have to spend to bring in top talent and what's that, what that's doing to competition in their leagues. Um, but starting with that revenue piece, it is interesting to watch how, you know, um, AC Milan is a good example where they're starting to realize that they can't outspend other teams in the transfer market like they used to. And so they need to go with a different model, but really what's behind that. So Brandon, you and I have been looking at uh, the context for Serie A over the past couple of days in the lead up to the, to the new season. Uh, and I think specifically looking at the TV deals, do you want to sum up a little bit about that? Yeah. So really the big differentiator recently has been the TV deals signing these different leagues, so Serie A seems to fall pretty far behind um, both La Liga and now um, the Premier League after they signed a huge deal last year, like five billion pounds, I believe, um, domestic and three billion international. So so they're far and away the leaders in that. And they also distribute the money differently as well, so not only are they earning way more, they're also even the bottom teams, I think the last place team, or I guess the, the three that are promoted in the Premier League all earned more than champions of most other leagues last year outside of La Liga, I believe. So that's really the big differentiator at this point. And that, that distribution model is uh, kind of interesting from one league to the next. So Serie A is kind of at the lowest end of the equal distribution spectrum, right? Where they share about 40%, I think. And it uh, looks like La Liga shares about 50. What, how does EPL do it? Yeah, EPL is pretty similar. Um, La Liga actually just changed their distribution model to match EPLs a little more equally. So they, they also divide 50% equally amongst the 20 teams. And then there's about 25% that um, is merit-based, so where they finish the table. Or in La Liga's case, I think in the past three years, and I think you said in Serie A, it's a little more historic than just past three years. I'm not sure exactly how that's cut up. Well, Serie A slices it even more. They um, they look at five-year performance, and they also uh, have an even smaller percentage where they give you an award for 
for example, having won the most uh, Scudetti or something like that. Mm -hmm. But then they have a different division for um, their overseas rights deals where um, I think it's a certain percentage goes to equal distribution and then, a, and then uh, less than half goes to, uh, sorry, is distributed among the top 10 in standings at the end of the season. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah. But yeah, so the EPL also then distributes the last 25%. Um, based on how many matches domestically were hosted and were like on TV, because over there actually they don't get to watch every single game like we do in America. Um, we actually have the it's the easiest to watch soccer anywhere in the world right now is the U.S. Whereas over in um, England, for example, they can't they get like one or two games a day, and that's just the game that's on, and that's what they get to watch. The certain clubs are featured there more often. So for example, like if Manchester United is on like way, way more often than any other teams, and they're just going to earn a bigger chunk of that last 25%. But then the overseas TV stuff is split 100% equally. Um, so that's that $3 billion windfall they get from you know the NBC sports deals, among others. So La Liga, previous to this, uh, clubs were allowed to kind of sell their TV rights separately from the league. They didn't have, they didn't kind of pool everything together um, and distribute it equally. So Barcelona, Madrid made... 140, 150 million uh, every year, whereas some of the bottom feeder teams were making 18 to 20 million a year. So that's a right. huge disparity, obviously, and, really and doesn't and lead any parity. Notably, after um, Atletico won the won the league uh, about two years ago, I think they only made about 40 or 50 million in comparison, right? Mm-hmm. And the, these figures are all in euro. We uh, we're gonna have to differentiate between euros, pounds, and USDs, but. Keep yeah, going. it's hard to keep track of for us even, so. Right. Um, but yeah, I know they made a, a big push to make things a little more equal. I think they see what's happening in the Premier League, and you can argue all day about quality of play and why one is more popular than the other, but really at the end of the day, it's like a big thing is probably the narratives in the EPL and just the, the competition top to bottom. It seems like any team can beat any team in any given week, and really you look at La Liga, it's been dominated by Barcelona and Real Madrid for a long time with Atletico kind of sneaking up now. I think they just want to try mm -hmm. to introduce a little more parity and um, a little more of the unknown into the league. So I think that was kind of the, the thought process behind the new TV deal. Yeah, making sure there's more equal distribution. That makes sense. Yeah. Although I will um, say, before we move on, um, mm -hmm. one clause in that new TV deal for La Liga is you can't earn less than you were earning before. So these other teams are going to get a boost, but Madrid and Barcelona are still going to be making 140 million. And we haven't said, you know, that, uh, like for example, with AC Milan, that the TV deal looks like it could be about half of their revenue. Like we haven't contextualized how much each piece really represents, right? Yeah, and I mean historically, uh, attendance or ticket revenue was a pretty good chunk. It's kind of broken down into ticket revenue, TVs. Uh, TV rights, um, sponsorship are really the the big ones, um, and I know so the, the ticket revenues have gone down as far as what percentage chunk they take up, and TV especially in leagues like the Premier League now they have to probably be at least half of total revenue for a lot of these clubs if not more, especially for the smaller clubs like a Bournemouth, who just made it to the Premier League has an eleven thousand seat stadium and now all of a sudden it's getting a hundred million pounds just for being in the Premier mm -hmm. League every year. Is that not dissimilar to what you guys at Navigate are seeing with leagues like the NBA and the pro leagues here? 
Yeah, just try kind of a more even distribution of wealth top to bottom. Well, even, you know, the the sort of changing economics where um, team revenues are more TV driven these days. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a bubble occurring right now in TV rights deals. And you saw with NBA's new deal where they what doubled at least their their previous deal and they're getting a few yeah. billion a year and you know distributing that evenly amongst the teams or however they do it exactly. Um, and then you saw that with uh, the big jump in salary cap this year, and I'm sure there's going to be a big uh, fight over the collective bargaining agreement next year um, mm -hmm. when they can opt out and try to figure out how that pie is getting divvied up. But, yeah, I mean, the NFL has just outrageous deals right now. Um, it's just, it's really just booming everywhere, and you, you kind of start to wonder when or if that bubble will burst, I guess. Well, if the bubble were to burst, it would obviously impact the, in the context of what we're talking about, it would impact the EPL most of all, right? And sort of knock them back down to a level closer to Liga and Serie A. Um, yeah, yeah, you wouldn't have the smaller teams being able to outspend the big teams from other countries, so. Uh, if Bournemouth can spend as much as AC Milan, mm -hmm. it doesn't, it looks like both of them are... Um, you know, not able to generate sort of a Leicester story, which was also one that was kind of building the right way in a sense, right? Where you pull players that are maybe a little bit undervalued and you maximize their output and mm -hmm. you bring in a, a good manager to help them do that. Um, none of these teams even, you know, look at Leicester. None of these teams uh, are, are going out and able to splash the cash because... You have, what, 20 teams in the world, maybe even less, probably even less, that can go and, and draw in the top talent? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting to see, like you said, the Leicester story, especially. Like, they can't, they're having trouble even holding on to their top talent now because they mm -hmm. want to leave for what's perceived as a big club. And even though Leicester just won a title, I don't know if they'll ever be seen as a big club. They're still the traditional powers um, in each, each league, really, that... You know, team the players, especially now, grew up fantasizing about playing. You know, for the Manchester Uniteds, the Real Madrids, and um, Juventus. So they would much rather go there if they get the offer um, and make the same amount, or even possibly a little bit less. Because I know the spending power of these Premier League teams now. They can. It's one thing is they can now overpay for talent um, in the the transfer window, and I know. I think Arsene Wenger mentioned that. You know, now you're an English club and you go to any other club in the world and start talking about a transfer and they're automatically going to bump the price up like double what they would ask from any other league because they just know mm. they have the money. Mm -hmm. um, so that's making it difficult. But then, you know, they also have the money to pay the wages week in and week out too, which is another consideration that I think people don't often see that side of things. So. Right. No, that's interesting that the intangibles could drive someone to um, some of the clubs. And I keep harping on... AC Milan, both uh, as as a fan of the club, but also because I think it's a really interesting example of one that was uh, a superpower in the mm -hmm. world of of uh, European football and has just not been at that level. Has been at more of a you know Bournemouth, um, Everton, West Ham kind of level over the past few years. So I think that that kind of drives. In the context of looking at um, not only where these leagues are at, but where that what that means for their big clubs, maybe a little less so with La Liga, but definitely with Serie A. Um, 
I'm sort of curious about, you know, what is it going to take for these clubs to end up being competitive? Are they going to have to build in that kind of quote unquote right way and use their um, systems to identify talent and they're not really going to be able to be competitive on the transfer market anymore? Or um, are there sort of other ways for them to lean on uh, their historic merit and their intangibles and generate revenue to keep them competitive? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest way is investing, like you got to mention, in you know, development of youth players and their academies. That seems to be the way a lot of teams got to where they are now. Like Barcelona now, yeah, they can go out and spend, you know, eighty, ninety million dollars on a player. But the reason they are where they are is they built through their academy and they have arguably the best in the world. So, um, just not having to rely as much on finding external talent for teams like a Milan or an Inter. Um, it's it's just going to be tougher as the money keeps growing. Like I I don't see the the gap closing much honestly. Like the Premier League is just getting more and more popular, particularly in the states and in Asia really too. Um, hmm. I don't know if the recent um, purchases of some Serie A teams and La Liga teams by some Chinese and other Asian investors will do anything for the game there or not, but. Um, I mean, that's that's a big audience to tap into that. Again, you know, you look at the NBA, that's a big market that they're focused on. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that uh, if these new owners and you're talking about Inter and AC Milan, right, primarily. So both Milan clubs are now owned by a Chinese group. Yeah, those were the most recent ones. Yeah. Um, So you could potentially see that. And, and I wonder if there would be sort of broadca- new broadcast deals that those uh, partnerships could bring about. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that they, they can strike something over there. Because really the, big, the key right now is uh, the Premier League is getting, what, over 3 billion, I think, pounds um, from their overseas or their international uh, broadcast mm-hmm. rights. Whereas I think La Liga right now is getting 2.6 billion just from their domestic. So... You know, mm-hmm. they're getting more overseas than they are the other clubs already given, even getting from their domestic bases. So really the biggest way these these leagues are going to come back and try to um, compete with the Premier League is going to have to be building their overseas fan bases. Yeah, so we look at the overseas portion of their, their revenue package and we think, uh, with the Premier League, we think the U.S. But um, it's interesting that China is a piece of that and probably not a piece that's maximized yet. And um, and with England especially, when we're talking about, depends on timeline. So, you know, in the next few years, sure, it looks like this sort of balance of power will stay the same. But the further you project out, you can't really count for certain externalities. So TV is God and these teams really need to be in China is kind of what we're saying, right? Yeah, I mean, I think whoever kind of, penetrates that market first and really gets a stronghold there, we'll have a, if it's one of these other leagues like Serie A or La Liga, then they have a chance to kind of run down the Premier League as far as revenue is concerned. So that makes sense that there would be even more impetus for Serie A teams to sell to these foreign ownership groups. Yeah, I mean, if they think that's going to help them market themselves better there. I don't know how much... I mean, I guess it could help because I see some, you know, investors now from the U.S. buying Premier League teams. And, you know, I think people, maybe it's just me or some people that I know, but 
mm-hmm. they kind of react to that positively. They're like, oh, well, Swansea City just got bought by some American investors. I'll follow them a little more closely or things along those lines. So Yeah, Swansea is a really good example where, um, you know, I'm thinking Crystal Palace has American owners. Mm-hmm. but And so you and I are really interested in that. Um, but, you know, I think the average fan is probably not going to look at that. Although Swansea, the example uh, of Landon Donovan being a very vocal supporter and crossing that bridge for fans, um, I think holds a lot of the potential where you look at China and, you know, if you have a like part of what drove their popularity, um, sorry, the NBA's popularity over there was Yao Ming. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you have if you have the right spokesperson for the job, then that could do a lot of good. And I, you know, we'll have to see what these ownership groups do over time, because right now it kind of looks like they're investors who maybe the general population won't respond to as much as um, if they get Yao Ming to buy into the club in the same way that, you know, Will Ferrell is bought into LAFC. And that makes the prospect of that team even more exciting out here in California. Yeah, I would say either getting some of those famous, like I said, a, a Yao Ming to be a partial investor or just spokesman for the club, or if this new domestic league they have in China or any of the other countries there starts producing any um, domestic talent that then kind of gets shipped out to one of these leagues. Because um, I know a lot of a lot of soccer fandom seems to start more with players in a lot of places where fans will mm-hmm. just follow a player into whatever team they go to, like, Maybe it'll stick once they get there. Um, but I don't know. Hmm. I'm trying to think of someone off the top of my head. I can't really think of any like Griezmann. prominent Chinese players or anything. Oh yeah, yeah. Ch- Chinese players would be it would be tough, right? Yeah. In this sport. So I don't know if that that could eventually help. But the way that Chinese league is just buying up random players who are a little past their prime for absurd amounts of money. Okay, so if we had to give recommendations to. Um, Especially Serie A. La Liga is in is in pretty good shape. They just need sort of more equal distribution to get a little more parity. Um, shout out to Colo in the meantime. <laughs> um, but if we if we were speaking to Serie A, um, the recommendations would really be to target the Chinese market, build up the overseas revenues, um, and what would there be anything else beyond that that we can see as a as a growth path maybe not to get to the EPL level but to set yourself up so that if the conditions are right in the future and you have the right stars in the league you can really capitalize on that um uh yeah outside of that I think probably just possibly adopting similar model of the distributing distributing the TV money just because right now you kind of look at it and they base some of the stuff on, like, you know, supporters, like you said, some of the historical results, which is really going to hamper the amount some of these teams can actually get in. Like, it obviously helps Juventus and Inter and Milan, um, two of which haven't performed as well in past years or recent years, I guess. Um, right. But it's just going to kind of keep that really top heavy. And I don't know if that's going to drive interest in the league or not. Right. And now you're seeing... Um... Napoli and Fiorentina being consistently good, and you've even seen teams like Sampdoria have great mm-hmm. seasons. And so uh, you're basically advocating for um, not putting all your eggs in a few baskets and spreading around your bets. Yeah, I mean, essentially. And it'll, it'll just allow them to bring in more talent. Um, 
which is really what's going to drive the league if and people are going to want to watch you know more competitive matches um right grabbing talent in more um creative ways and allowing um all the team's resources in order to find their ways to doing that sounds interesting yeah well i think the biggest thing too is just having a more international um talent and managers all of that brought in i'm not 100 percent sure on how much Serie A has done that um but i know that's a big driver a lot of people point towards that with the premier league is they just have you know all kinds of backgrounds and nationalities they kind of welcome in different thought processes as far as how to play Mm -hmm. soccer how to approach the game whereas some of these other countries it's all pretty consistent across the board so we love these teams and these leagues but they're definitely gonna have to think outside of the box to really get going in the next couple of years for now the games are about to get started this weekend it's gonna be fun we hope you'll watch with us thanks for tuning in and wherever you found us on itunes google play stitcher click subscribe uh follow along get a new episode Uh, right to your phone every time it comes up and we'll see you right back here soon.